Welcome to the Off the Charts Football Podcast. I'm Matt Maticharian, and today I'm going one-on-one with SIS research analyst James Weaver. What's up, James? Not a whole lot. Getting ready for the football season here. Just got back from a golf trip this past weekend with some buddies. Relaxed, ready to get after it, and ready for the season to start. Did you see the first episode of Hard Knots yet? I did. I did watch the first episode. Really intriguing. I thought it was, it felt like a little like contrived almost. Like they still know the cameras are on them. I want to see some, some real intrigue at some point, but I, I don't, I, I don't know. It, it like, my excitement was like the Rex Ryan season of Hard Knocks at first, but I, I don't know. I, I need to see more before I can give a, a real uh, feeling one way or another, I think. Yeah, they went, I feel like they probably went a little too Mr. Rogers heavy in episode one, but I guess when that's the intrigue and that's the pool of the Jets this season, that's what you have to do. Yeah. And Liev, like being there was, I don't know. I don't know what that has to do with like training camp, but <laughs> training camp life, like, I don't know. It was the least like training camp lifey that I think the hard knots been in recent memory, but I don't know. It couldn't be worse than the in-season Arizona Cardinals of last year. Right. All right. Well, we were planning on being a three-man show today. We knew Alex was going to be gone. He's off traveling the world, but Bryce is an unexpected absence today. We believe that he got either his electricity or his internet shut off. So good job there, Bryce. But we'll get into this one-on-one and we'll get into the game that we thought we were going to play with three people, but it'll just be a one-on-one show today. And that, I think we were calling it sniff test. Is that right, James? Yep, that's right. Also, you better get all your positive Tua takes in while Bryce is gone. I mean, <laughs> that is that is true. I like, I don't know, although saying things that get him riled up is also fun. So I don't know. It worked both ways on that one. But yeah, we're going to play sniff test. So basically the concept of this game that we came up with is look for our own stats that we think may or may not make sense. So using different SIS analytics, we looked around. I came up with five. James came up with four. We'll see if we can get to all of them. But surprising stats, things that when, when I looked at them, I said, wow, that's surprising. I did not realize that. And what we want to try to do is see, does it pass the sniff test? Do we think that this is maybe indicative of something that we could see being kind of sticky going into the future? Or is it something that, ah, no, this is just, this cherry-picked analytic is just telling a story that's not based in reality. So did I explain that well? Yep, absolutely. All right, well, since I got one more than you, I'll go first. And this one, man, was extra designed for Bryce. Speaking of things that, like I might say, Jared Goff was third in passing war wins above replacement last year he was worth three wins above replacement as a quarterback i said third in the nfl does that pass the sniff test for you i mean the knock on him i guess was playing against tough defenses in terms of a pass rush and playing outdoors he's a quarterback that got a team to a super bowl of obviously under a offensive genius in mcveigh and he's building up with a lions team that's heading all the positive direction i mean he had no shortage before of, you know, airing out the ball, running a spread scheme and taking control of what he needed to do. I mean, for what the lines were at the end of last season, I, I definitely think that that is that's something that sticks. Yeah, it was interesting. Like you could look at some of the more like basic stats, like he was sixth in passing yards last year. Like they certainly did air it out a whole bunch. What total points also probably likes about him is that he minimized the interceptions, just seven interceptions last year. So my thing is yeah, I kind of believe it. Like it does pass the sniff test for me in that like 
I could see how that was for last year. But in order for that to repeat this year, and I'm kind of going to go against what I picked in the win totals right now. But in order for that to repeat this year, I think a lot of those ancillary things that came along with it, like him being sacked such a low percentage of the time and actually him having that kind of interception luck to end up with only seven instead of some of the dropped interceptions that he had against him. I think it comes down to a lot of that. And while the prospects for the offense, I think, are very good this year, no, I don't think he's the third best quarterback in the league. I don't even think we had him in our, in our top 10 list for when we were looking at the best players of the position. But if he has all those things fall into place around him again and sort of tips the, the high end of the luck scale, then yeah, sure, I could see him creating that much value. Super interesting when you look at him also year over year in his career, because like you said, the Sean McVay year, he was awesome. Year before that, he looked like a bust. And it's been back and forth and back and forth. So we'll see where sort of the water level settles there. Yeah. I mean, going into the season too, it's a lot of the a lot of the same team, and if not better. Same offensive coordinator, same offensive line, bringing in Jameer Gibbs, who's by all accounts been absolutely stellar in training camp so far. And then yeah, run it back with the Monroe St. Brown, get a new tight end in Sam Laporta, and see if Jamison Williams can come back the second half of the season and be a be a threat for you. So I think all the pieces are there. We'll see if See if he can hold it up and do the same thing. Yeah, I'm just pulling up right now, looking back the the season over season season stats to see if I can get a a better sense of just what he has been. Last year, he was like I said, worth three wins above replacement. In 2021, it was 1.2. That's probably more in line where we should expect him to be at that point, which is good. But it's not third in the NFL. All right, cool. Give me your surprising statistic number one. This one comes with a slight caveat, I guess, in terms of parsing out some of the season. But from when this quarterback made his first start in week 12 and overall throughout the course of the season with 100 minimum pass attempts, he was second in the league in IQR. Would you like to take a guess or do you want me to just go ahead and give it to you? Just give it to me. Be Mr. Ghost Sam Darnold. Absolutely. Sam Darnold. Give me the statistic again. He was second in IQR behind Brock Purdy. Wow. From week 12 onward. So he was actually good from week 12 on. Like, it seemed like he was like pretty good, but that's like, that's actually good. And IQR is basically just taking things outside of his control. Ooh, I think that that's got to just be small sample size and the protection of the offense that they were in being so simplified and, and sort of quarterback friendly at that point. And, and IQR is an efficiency stat. It's not a total value stat. So uh, it. In that sense, it passes the sniff test, but in terms of if I think it's it's telling us anything going forward, I think it's much more likely that it was just like a nice few games that he had together in the sort of way that a backup quarterback level player can do that. I can agree with you that the sample size is really small, but there are a few other things too. He was, in that same time, he was third in on-target percentage. He was seventh in average throw depth of nine yards, so it wasn't just wow. within the system and just check down offense. He was, he was airing the ball out. He was second in yards per attempt, fourth in boom percentage at 24.7%. And the week 12 onward is when his first start was last year. That's when he was, yeah, with a start. So yeah, I, 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 I sample size is certainly small. And obviously within the end of a season with a new coach and just trying to, to play for job kind of a situation, he, he kind of showed that he probably put together what might be his best stretch of NFL football so far from when he came into the league. So, I think for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, San Francisco, if they need to wait on Brock Purdy a little bit to get fully healthy, there might uh, they might have a little something with Sam Darnold there. 
That's interesting. It seems like, I mean, everything I've heard is that Purdy's going to be playing week one. And to what I just said, I'd, I'd rather have him as a backup there too. Definitely better stats than I would have expected there. So, so surprising for sure you hit the mark on. All right. I will give you my next one now. Another player on the move here. Jawan Taylor led all offensive tackles in total points last year. Interesting. As a sniff test, he's had a couple good seasons down in a row, hasn't he? That first, even that first year, he was pretty solid. Yeah, total points has always liked him, and he, he's sort of coming to his own reputationally. So he was signed as a free agent by Kansas City this year. So they invested in him, and this is his, you know, this is his second contract. Twenty-five-year-old offensive tackle. I couldn't believe that he led in total points. I know he had a, a better year and stuff, but for him to be the leader amongst all tackles was definitely surprising. I would have thought, you know, Tristan Wirfs, whoever else, somebody like that. I do kind of like it though, because like you mentioned, every year he's kind of shown out as somebody that's kind of better than we thought he was. And if Total Points is right, and Total Points watches a lot more Jaguars games than I do, then him fitting in with with Mahomes could be something really good. I think he could be a big upgrade for them. Yeah, the the Chiefs offensive line is interesting. We know they went through sort of the the little rebuild two years ago where they got a whole lot better after that embarrassing Super Bowl. And then now with Orlando Brown moving on, they brought in Donovan Smith and Juwan Taylor, two formerly Florida-based offensive tackles that have had varying degrees of success. I, I think what they'd hope for with Donovan Smith is that he was always kind of like a bottom half of the league type tackle, but somebody who was always playing there in Tampa Bay, that he can come in and be just a, a, a bit more accountable than what Orlando Brown was maybe not the best fit to have that sort of Orlando Brown type player with the with a Mahomes who's going to be running around back there and being in space so much. But then Jawan Taylor on the right side, all of a sudden they have a pretty interesting offensive line when you combine it with Creed Humphrey, Joe Tooney on the inside. So yeah, doesn't pass the sniff test that he led in tackles, but I will still trust offense. I'll trust total points enough to say I think I'm intrigued by the move for him there in Kansas City. Who. Uh, you know, no surprises, the Super Bowl favorites. Yeah, for sure. All right. Surprise me. The Houston Texans were fourth in pressure rate last year at 37.8%. What? Look it up. That's very, very surprising. How is that possible? They were, so Christian Kirksey was 11th overall at 26.4%. Then they had some guys like Okoronkwo, who's not there anymore. Jerry Hughes, who finished kind of strong, came in at 13%. They were 13th in sack percentage, so some positive regression due there. And then they were only 26th in pass rush point saved. So they were generating pressure. They just couldn't get the they just couldn't bring the quarterback down when they got to there. That's interesting. That's very interesting. Super surprised by that. If you add Will Anderson to that, could get a little spicy there in, in Houston in a hurry. I mean, I think when you look at their roster, there really aren't a lot of concerns defensively about the team. We've talked about their secondary several times how high upside we think a bunch of those players are. We believe in D'Amico Ryan as a defensive coordinator, being able to get the scheme going down there. And they got a good bunch of young players. And then Will Anderson to kind of lead them there. We'll see if they can move the ball offensively. That's definitely surprising, surprising, surprising. But it does pass the snip test in terms of, oh yeah, this I think this is actually telling us something for the future. Yeah, and it's going to be tough. Or I guess it's just tough because... In terms of predicting if this is something that sticks or not, you have a new pass rusher in Will Anderson. You have a new head coach that's a defensive coordinator, Namiko Ryan. So being able to run it back to see if 
they can get more positive regression out of it. You have kind of a total change there. They also added Sheldon Rankins on the defensive line. So a little bit new personnel that hopefully can can build upon that pressure rate and actually get to the quarterback this year. All right. I'm ready to give you my next one. And I'm, and I'm pulling my leaderboard back up for this one too, because I have a feeling you'll have follow-up questions. Amongst players with at least 100 pass rush snaps last year, right? So just to put that in context, there are a whole bunch of players with 20, 30 pass rushes. They're a safety. They're an off-ball linebacker. They're just blitzing. They have very high pressure rates. I'm narrowing this to players with at least 100 rushes. So at least people that, that pass rush somewhat regularly. Josh Uche led those players in pressure rate at 20%. And interestingly, even with that limit set at just 100, he had 256 rushes. So he's way over that limit and sort of an outlier in terms of the number of snaps he had and how often he was creating pressure. I definitely would not have expected that, but does it pass the sniff test? I think so. I think I remember him having a solid, I mean, the Patriots defense last year really held up to their bargain like they always do. Him and Matt Judon both getting after the quarterback. It might be one of those situations where you have a Matt Judon defensive player of the year candidate, and then on the other side, you have a Josh Uche that takes advantage of kind of those those light sets, those light ends. But yeah, I mean, as long as they can keep generating pass rush there and you have Matt Judon healthy on one end, uh, I certainly think that Josh Uche can definitely eat on the other side. Yeah, I'm sniffing this one all over the place. I, I love this. I think that he figures to get more snaps as a pass rusher this year. Not going to maintain that 20% level pressure rate, but if he can keep it up at 15%, all of a sudden you see how Bill Belichick's organized that defense with those two edge guys really being strong centerpieces to go with their secondary, building at the most important positions, you know, as as he's want to do. I think that that this is really telling us something here. I think this is a player with the big arrow up this year. And I look forward to seeing him play and maybe uh, I'll never root for the Patriots, but it, but maybe they'll at least surpass our uh, our model that had them at what four and a half wins. Yeah, something like that low, just based off of the kind of the finish they had last year. But, but yeah, it just seems like with the Patriots defense, you have you for years now, you have your staple guys, and then you just always have those solid like role players that play above expectation and and turn in turn into more production than what they you would think they would. It's just always a standard over there at the Belichick defensive factory. So if I can pull this up, I'll give you some other interesting names that came from this list when I was looking at, because like of the guys with significant number of pass snaps, I said Uche was was kind of way out in front of other people. Some other really productive guys as pass rushers, Rashawn Gary, up at 19%. Not surprising to see him up there. A name that I wouldn't have expected on this list, Bryce Huff from the Jets, another guy up at 19%. In terms of guys that are even higher on the pass rush list, Trey Hendrickson at 354 pass rush snaps, true defensive end, defensive end kind of work. He had 19% pressure rate. Micah Parsons, of course, 461 pass rush snaps at 18% pressure rate. And Nick Bosa also at 18% pressure rate on 477 snaps. So no surprise in those sort of like every down guys. Definitely Trey Hendrickson in, in great company there. But Uche, kind of in that next tier, really separated himself even from some some pretty good players and, and pass rushers around him. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's keep it going. I think it's your turn. Obviously, I'm going to get a stat in here for, the, for my homerism in me, but the Pittsburgh Steelers' offensive line was seventh in blocking total points last year. By our metrics, we had them as a top 10 offensive line. By all accounts, I, I everyone talks about their improvement from last year. But I don't think a lot of people would expect them to be a top 10 offensive line for the way that we had. Overall, they were fourth in blown block percentage. 
and ninth in wins above replacements. James Daniels, Kevin Dotson, and Mason Cole on the interior. Uh, Cole is the highest at four or the lowest at 40th overall from the interior lineman perspective. But Daniels and Dotson ranked 14th and 18th in terms of total points. So a really solid interior offensive line there for the Steelers. Obviously, the tackles were the are the question marks, and that's something that they addressed in the draft this year. I mean, brought them some more depth pieces as well in Herbig and in bringing Isaac Sayamalu to, I guess, replace Kevin Dotson, which I always had my questions about. But, but yeah, the Steelers' offensive line, certainly the couple years before that, that was a huge, huge, huge concern, and they're certainly looking like they're shoring that up. Yeah, I'm looking up just some of the, the interesting kind of splits that I think might underlie that and, and kind of create something interesting there. Because when you look at last year, this is a team that super, super heavy zone run team relative to, to gap run. And they were really good in the zone running game. They were positive EPA in the run game, in the zone run game last year. So that's something that the system's going to credit those offensive linemen for what they're doing. All those yards before contact that are being created there, there's some positive stuff going on that way. Super heavy drop back team relative to play action, much more likely to be a drop back than a play action. And in addition to that, they got very little blitz. So I think what you saw with this team is that they sort of protected better than you would have expected. Just the passing game wasn't very productive generally beyond that. So when you kind of look at those things, seventh is kind of more than I would have expected, but not so high that it's like, wow, I can't believe that. I probably would have guessed like 15th. I didn't think they were a bottom of the league offensive line. To me, they're their problems come down to the offensive skill position players, especially whether or not the quarterback can be what they need him to be. But I kind of I kind of buy it, and I think they could be about that good this year. Yeah, yeah, certainly agree. Uh, in terms of the skill position side, obviously Kenny's got to take that step forward, but we'll see. We'll see if play calling can improve too. I know that's a that's a big question mark that people aren't too happy about the Steelers. So we'll see if that can improve as well. For sure. All right, I'm going to give you my next one here. The Eagles gave one for in memory of Bryce and one in memory of Alex now. The Eagles allowed 0.07 EPA per attempt against the rush. So their defense allowed 7 EPA per 100 rushes and negative 16 EPA per 100 passes last year, right? So positive, yeah. So so a different of 0.23 EPA per attempt better if you ran against them than if you passed against them, which I could not believe that split in that direction. You see that in the opposite direction all the time. That split in that direction is kind of crazy. Does that pass the sniff test? I think so, because I remember that game in, against Washington, and that was the game where they were like immediately like calling up Ndamukong and Sue and other defensive linemen that were the free agents. They were like, we if we're going to do something, we need to beef up this interior of our defensive line. I feel like they were dealing with some injuries as well. Or well, as well during that, and they're a team that doesn't buy buy high on linebackers. So there was a weakness, and I remember early on there was there was struggle struggles with them stopping the run. Yeah, no, that that aspect lines up. I guess to the extent of that case, like we could never expect that going forward it would be that tilted again. But if you told me at the end of this season, if the Eagles allowed more efficiency rushing than passing again, I would say yeah, that makes sense. And also, maybe that's a little bit of like the you know the, the mystique around the Eagles' strategy. That's maybe a little bit of it is right there. Like they really want you to rush against them because they want to make sure you can't pass efficiently against them. They they're happy to be balanced offensively, situationally speaking, depending on that. 
But basically, in order to keep up with their offense, the only way for you to do that is to be really effective passing against them. They want to do everything to prevent that, even if it means giving up more in the run game. Like, I think they'll take it. The old Belichick against the Giants in the Super Bowl strategy, or Belichick with the Giants against the Buffalo Bills strategy. So I think that that's kind of what the Eagles want. I bet they're even surprised at the, the magnitude of that gap. But I think that's kind of what they've designed. Right. They want you to the mo- they want you to do the most inefficient thing possible if it if it traps you into thinking that you're good at it. So right. I that total that totally adds up. And then also it's also like you can't beat us at our game. Like with what we have offensively, we're gonna rush better than you. So you if you come at us with the strategy of like you're gonna outrun us, okay, good luck. <laughs> like mm-hmm. all right, cool. Back to you, last one. Yep, this is my last one. It's probably not a surprise. I'm just more surprised at how, I guess, how bad it actually was. But the Ravens were 30th in receiving total points last year. That is pretty bad. I mean, I knew it was going to be bad when your top when your top target's Mark Andrews, with which nothing against him. He's bona fide top two, top three, top three tight end in the league. But his receiving total points count. That's what makes 30 so surprising. I think exactly. Yeah. So like. You look at the you look at some of these deeper metrics. There was no receiver over one and a half yards per route run. The closest one to it, I think, was Demarcus Robinson at one point four. They were twenty fifth in yards per target. They had the sixth highest drop percentage at seven percent, and they were eighteenth in on target catch percentage. So the receivers were doing Lamar and Tyler Huntley and figured the other that they had to bring in the third quarterback was did them no favors in terms of helping out their quarterback. So bringing in Odell, drafting his A Flowers getting back a healthy Rashad Bateman should certainly help that out. Yeah, it's like, pass the sniff test in terms of like, were they bad? Sure. Pass the sniff test in terms of telling us anything going forward? Like, no. Zay Flowers will tell us. Odell Beckham will tell us. Like, yeah. And it's a pretty strong roster when you look at it sort of outside of that that wide receiver room, kind of what they could be. So with all those new people in the mix, I think it's we might be back on track with the Ravens that we saw a couple of years ago. Yeah, I would say as long as Lamar can stay healthy. They should always have a chance. Okay, last one is fun because it's a player that's been in the news a lot this offseason, and it is an aspect of his game that I was shocked to see had had sort of changed to this extent from what my perception of it was and what it had been in the past. So, do you know who led, and I, I might have just given it away, but do you know who led the NFL amongst running backs? In the percentage of time that he used the design gap of the play design last year. Used the design gap. Which running back used the ga- the design gap at the highest rate? So you had a design run play to the C gap, you hit the C gap. Trying to think, would it be Nick Chubb? It is Saquon Barkley. That was Saquon, my second guess. the never hit his own gap, even like coming out of college, if you wanted to give a criticism of him, it would be that. Saquon, 295 carries, 74% of the time he hit the design gap. Does that pass the sniff test? Like, did he change? Did they change him? Like, I mean, Dayball changed the whole entire other aspect of the Giants, so might as well make your make your best player change too. I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously his knock in college was he danced a lot and he danced too much. He get inside those holes uh, on the inside and the interior and just try to finagle his way up the field. But yeah, that's that's certainly good to see from a player that's that powerful, that strong, that can hit his gap as quick as he can. It's certainly something better that better that he can do. Yeah, he's still not high on like the yards before contact per attempt sort of leaders. 
I'm like, he's still responsible for a whole lot of, of what he's earning out there. Um, he's hit at the line 41% of the time, even, even with all that, which, which again, kind of more than you'd like from your running back. But he avoided the stuffs, got his stuff percentage down to 17% over this past year. So, and I think, I think really what you did see was them kind of playing a bit faster in the run game, like in order to put pressure on the defense with the multiple runners like they have with Daniel Jones back there. They need to be afraid of guarding the gap that you're attacking and not just the Barry Sanders stuff. And to the extent that you can get Saquon to do that more and then save the Barry Sanders stuff for later, I think that's good. With all of the contract beef going back and forth between them this year, besides injury, which is definitely a concern with Saquon, if that sticks or not, I think is something to keep an eye on. Like I think early in the year, if we're trying to gauge how the Giants are performing, one thing to look at might be is Saquon hitting the gap? Because if they maintain that, then I sort of like their prospects for the remainder of the year. But if not, I think things could go off the rails with him. Yeah. And it certainly is one of him being, okay, I don't want to get hurt. Am I just going to try to avoid contact at all possible, at all possibility? I just bounce um, everything like, yeah. Yeah. Which he certainly could do. But yeah, you need to be able to hit a hole to have success. All right. This concludes our game of the smell test. You can find all of the statistics that we talked about today on our various web properties. Definitely check out sportsinfosolutions.com and the Data Hub Pro, which you can find through that Sports Info Solutions website or our Twitter account at sportsinfo underscore SIS. For the mostly absent SISRD team, James Weaver is here. I'm Matt Maticharian. We got Justin Stein, our producer, as always. And we will talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of the Off the Charts Football Podcast.